Mama loved the Sandman. And in the summer of 1995, the Sandman loved Mama back. Mama lived in Los Angeles when Billy Madison came out. And the summer Billy Madison came out, Billy Madison and my Mama went on a few dates. Group dates. Even as far back as 1995, Adam the Sandman Sandler never went on a date or any other place else without a bunch of boys by his side. And what a bunch. The Sandman's boys were like the outsiders if the outsiders were Hollywood insiders. During the summer of Madison, my mama constantly competed with the Sand Boys for the Sandman's attention. She lost that competition roundly. Mama was working double shifts at the Doubletree while the Sand Boys' only job was to entertain their Sandman. It's sad, but it never would have worked anyhow. You see, the Sandman's humor wasn't to my mama's taste. She used to say she had no idea how a charming boy like the Sandman was able to make films which were so consistently charmless and retarded. Her words. I don't like that term. Despite this, Mama used to use that term all the time when describing the summer of Madison. She said she was so happy that it was retarded. Mama's time with the Sandman and his merry men was the merriest time of my mama's life at least until she got married. But of course, shortly after she was married, I was born. And shortly after I was born, Mama contracted one of those horrible diseases that you only hear about once you have them. One of those blood conditions that twists your arms into your legs and makes the rest of you look like a bag of sand. You get it from working too hard, at least that's what my Mama told me. She told me there are two kinds of people in this world. Sandbags and sandmans don't work too hard. Don't be like me. And my mama really meant that. My mama did not want me to be like her. And in mama's eyes, there really was only one other kind of person to be. That's why my mama raised me to be a sandman. Mama wasn't like the other mamas. And not just on account of the other mamas didn't look like bags of sand. You know, most mamas would yell at you for playing with your food at the table. My mama would pull out a camcorder and shout out suggestions of where I should take the scene. Most mamas would holler at you if you made a face at them. They might say, don't make faces, one day you'll get stuck like that. When I made a funny face, my mama would say, okay, now make 12 more. One of these faces is going to take us out of here. One day, Warner Brothers will option a horrible movie around one of those faces, and you won't get stuck looking like a bag of sand. Mama worked me hard because she didn't want me to get stuck as a working stiff like her. From the time I was 10, my training would begin every morning at 10. That's when I got back from work. I was working double shifts at the Doubletree to pay for Mama's medicine. But every morning at 10, when I would come home, the Sandman would be there, waiting for me. My mama would have Billy Madison, Little Nicky, or Mr. Deeds playing on the television, and edited for television. These movies were all bootlegs my mama had made on our VCR. In fact, each of these films had been so thoroughly edited by the censors at TBS Family that every other word was either bleeped out or changed, rendering the story incomprehensible to the point of abstract surrealism. 
But Mama didn't care. Mama insisted, you could watch these movies backwards. The shit would make just as much sense. Why would I spend our money on a movie by Adam Sandler? I remember once we were watching Billy Madison backwards. And my mother started complaining that she was confused. And I said, of course you're confused. We're watching Billy Madison backwards. But I saw her sandy eyes swell with tears as she said to me adamantly, no, this movie really doesn't make sense to me. And her confusion confused me. I mean, this was a movie we'd seen a hundred times. A, a movie she'd literally made me study backwards and forwards. It actually made more sense backwards. Told in reverse, Billy Madison is the story of a successful businessman who after the best day of his life, starts to deteriorate suddenly and completely until he lives in a state of ignorance and hedonism. It's like if Louis Bunuel directed Flowers for Algernon with the Sandman in the lead, and a penguin as the villain, and with Bradley Whitford supporting. Told forwards, however, Billy Madison is a story in which our titular hero is a rich man's son, who has squandered his early life playing with feces deep into the night, uh, drinking during the day, uh, or otherwise masturbating with two men, Billy's bunch of boys, whose only job is to entertain Billy Madison. When the film begins, Billy demands an audience with his emperor father and Bradley Whitford, and he announces that he's grown weary of privilege and now lusts for power. He challenges his father to a demented contest wherein the papa agrees to surrender total control of his hotel empire and its 61,000 employees to the Sandman under the condition that the Sandman can learn to read. At this point, Bradley Whitford, the film's loathsome villain, casts aspersions on their friendly wager, saying, don't you think the future of Madison Hotels and its 61,000 employees is too important to gamble on a game? And the hero's father answers no. Or rather, in our backwards viewing, the hero's father answered on because we were watching Billy Madison backwards. My mother said, I'm confused. I said, of course you're confused. We're watching Billy Madison backwards. She said, no, this movie really doesn't make sense to me. I mean, do you get why this is funny? I said, I guess. He's making a bunch of funny faces. Funny faces are always funny. And Mama said, I know, but do you think that this is funny? And Mama pointed to our television as Billy Madison made funny faces at the villainous Bradley Whitford, whose own mother was a poet in real life. I told her, I, I think it's pretty funny, yeah. But I watched as my mama's eyes followed the Sandman as he ran backwards. I watched her watch this man who she'd loved and could not stand or even understand. Mama finally whispered, Thank God. Mama, do you understand why Billy Madison is funny? Never mind that, she replied. It's too late for me anyhow. When I turned 27 years old, I started to worry that it was too late for me. By that age, the Sandman had already performed comedy all over the world. He'd been hired and fired from Saturday Night Live, and he'd made a small fortune making faces in the greatest city on earth. I, meanwhile, had never left New Jersey, and had turned into a working stiff, working triple shifts at the Doubletree to pay for my mama's medicine and my baby's diapers. By the age of 27, I had two babies with my manager at the Doubletree. 
My mother did all the raising, and she raised them in front of the television. I hardly ever even got to see them. And whenever they saw me, I was miserable, doubled over from a triple shift, a heavy scowl on my face. My mother would always call me out. Now what kind of face is that, she'd say. Her confusion confused me. I, I'd say, it's my face. Because I didn't know I was making a face. One day it just sort of got stuck that way. And when I said that, my mother's sandy face would well up with tears. And she'd tell me, that's not the kind of face that's going to take us out of here. Then I would take a deep breath and bug out my eyes and stick out my tongue and say, if getting us out of here is cool, consider me Miles Davis. Then I'd spend two hours with my two children falling asleep in front of the television while the Sandman brought me a dream. At least that's how it usually was. I remember one day I got back from work and the Sandman wasn't on the television. I opened the door to find my children screaming. They were seated on the couch like always. My mother was plopped down next to them like the old bag of sand that she was. But they weren't watching the Sandman. They were watching a deranged man being chased by deformed men in mostly leather outfits. I said to my mama, Mama, are you watching Mad Max? She said, oh, have you heard this or this movie? <laughs> I said, yes, it's Mad Max. Why are you showing my children Mad Max? She said, I just heard a story about this movie. Did you know Mad Max was Mel Gibson's first movie? I said, no. She said it was, and when Mel Gibson made it, he was older than you are now. Apparently he wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. They discovered him when he was driving a friend to the audition, but the night before, Mel had gotten into a bar fight, and the other guy, he fucked his face up so bad, my children said, swear jar, and I said, mama, my children. Mama said, my bad. Anyhow, they fucked his face up real bad, and a casting agent saw him in the lobby and gave him a callback to play one of the grotesques. But by the time of the callback, he had healed completely, and he was so handsome, they put him in the lead. Then everyone else put him in the lead in everything else for 20 years. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a wonderful story that I heard? I said, sure. It's nice for him, I guess. I bet his buddy that he was driving doesn't love that story. My mama seemed shocked by my indifference. She was amazed that I wasn't amazed. I think it's a wonderful story, said mama. He became a Sandman overnight. I think that's wonderful. Almost like a love story. Don't you think that's almost like a love story? Sure, I said. Almost. And Mama's eyes followed Mad Mel as he disemboweled and irradiated Hell Billy before my children's wide and weary eyes. A Sandman overnight. Almost like a love story. I said, I don't think that's a comparison Mel Gibson would particularly enjoy. She said, why? I said, isn't he like an anti-Semite? She said, what? Why would you say that? I said, I, I think he's like a, an anti-Semite, like famously. She said, I don't think so. I think he's lovely. I saw him in Braveheart. I think that he's brave. But while my mama was speaking, I wasn't able to think about anything. I was suddenly and completely very confused. 
My heart started pounding and I doubled over onto the ground. But that wasn't strange. I was always doubled over after a triple shift at the Doubletree. I got confused when I looked back up at the television and saw Mad Max was running backwards. Instead of disemboweling irradiated hellbillies, he was re-emboweling irradiated hellbillies with his chainsaw. He was rushing backwards at speeds that were impossible, even for an anti-Semite. He went from killing grotesques for no reason to having a beautiful family in a tranquil and desolate home. He moved further backwards until he was a grotesque himself, driving a friend to a Hollywood audition, a favor which that friend would undoubtedly come to regard as one of the lamest favors of all time. I shouted, what's happening? But the words came out all backwards and distorted like the messages that rock stars leave for the devil on the other side of their records. My children were screaming louder than ever. They jumped up to help me, but they ran the other way, moving backwards out of the door and up and inside of their mother at the double tree where she works as my manager. My mother couldn't move an inch. She stayed plopped on the couch like the bag of sand that she was while my eyes rolled back in my head and I watched as my life played out backwards. All I saw was work. I saw myself work and work and watch television and work and impregnate a woman and work and sit with my mama and work and watch television with my mama and turn television into work. I saw myself grow small and I saw my mother stand up and get off of the couch, and I saw how beautiful she was when she was off of the couch. I saw her tell me stories about the Sandman, and then I got smaller, and I saw myself asking my mama, Mama, who is the Sandman? And my mama said, the Sandman's like Peter Pan, and when you grow up, I want you to be like him. I said, but Mama, Peter Pan never grows up. And Mama said, exactly. You're gonna be my boy forever. And you're gonna have a ton of adventures. And the only difference will be that the Hollywood studios will pay you millions of dollars to play with your lost boys. I saw myself in the hospital being cradled in my mother's arms for the first time. I was no bigger than a bag of sand. And then, finally, I woke up in a hospital. My arms had twisted into my legs and the rest of my body looked like a bag of sand. I recognized this hospital. I was in St. Barnabas in Livingston, New Jersey. I even recognized the patient laying in the bed next to mine. He was the Sandman. I heard him before I saw him. He said, hey, pal, what are you in here for? I can't do his voice. I said, hey, Sandman. I contracted that disease where your arms twist into your legs and the rest of you turns into a bag of sand. Sandman said, oh, I'm sorry, pal, I, I never even heard of that. I said, I know. What are you doing here? Sandman said, oh, in New Jersey, I'm shooting a movie. I play this mobster who wants to leave the mob, but he can't until he finds out about this loophole where they automatically kick you out of the mob if you get gay married to Kevin James. I said to the Sandman, that's tight. But I mean, why are you in the hospital? He said, oh, I'm donating blood. I said, that's noble of you. 
He said, ah, oh, thanks, pal, but truthfully, it's not even about that. I've got too much. I said, what? The Sandman said, yeah, pal, I I've got too much blood. My body just produces everything in excess. Just one of those things you never hear about unless you got it. I think you get it from working too hard. I said, oh, yeah? They're working you pretty hard these days, Sandman. He said, yeah, film can be a tough racket, pal. You're traveling constantly, early call times. Then you get to the set and it's a lot of hurry up and wait. But you know, you can always bring a book. Do you read? I said, no time. Sandman said, yeah, me neither, but I've been trying to teach myself to read. I said to the Sandman, hey, Sandman. Can I ask you a question? Sandman said, Sure, pal. I said, Sandman, do you get why Billy Madison is funny? Sandman said, Yeah, I think so, pal. I always thought of Billy Madison as sort of an anti-comedy, you know? I mean, it's a comedy, but uh, the hero is this rich kid trying to take control of his father's company, and the villain is Bradley Whitford trying to stop him. But any, in any other movie, those roles would be reversed. It's like a parody movie that parodies movies. You're rooting for Billy Madison to take over this company with 61,000 employees, even though he's basically retarded. I said to the Sandman, I don't like that term. He said, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, pal. I'm trying to get better about using words like that. That's why I'm trying to figure out how to read. Hey, pal, can you forgive me? I said, if forgiving Billy Madison is cool, consider me Miles Davis. He said, so you're into comedy, pal? I said I used to be Sandman. In fact, there was a time I would have given anything to be you. Sandman laughed and said, I, I remember that feeling. I said, wanting to be you? He said, no, pal. I, wanting to be somebody. When I was your age, maybe a little younger, I was so sure I was gonna be somebody. In fact, the guy I wanted to be more than anybody was Jimmy Kahn. He had it all. He was funny. He was sunny. He had every girl in Hollywood. You know, he had it all. And that's what I wanted. So, like an idiot, I moved to Hollywood with $5 in my pocket. And like an even bigger idiot, I spent that $5 on my first day getting a tour of the Warner Brothers lot. And as luck would have it, who did I see shooting his movie but Jimmy Kahn? And again, because I'm, I'm an idiot, I think I'll just walk right up to him and say, Hey, Jimmy, it's my first day in Hollywood, but one day I'm going to be a big star. Jimmy Kahn said, Oh, yeah? That's great, pal. I remember when I was your age wanting to be somebody. And I said, Actually, Jimmy, I don't just want to be somebody. I want to be the next you. Jimmy said, Oh, you don't want to do that. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I always thought that was wonderful, you know? Like, that was a perfect line. Anyhow, cut to, 
I made Bulletproof with him in 1996, and that's my boy in 2012. And that was one of my boy Jimmy Kahn's last movies. Now, neither of those movies were any good. In fact, Jimmy came up to me at both premieres and said, See, I told you. But I tell you what, all these years later, I'm still out here trying to be Jimmy Kahn. Then my eyes rolled back in my head and I said, Sandman, don't ever tell me a fucking story like that ever again. Sandman said, what's the matter, pal? Something I said? And I said, yes, I hate love stories. Then I grabbed the television remote off of Adam Sandler's bedside. He said, that's a good idea, pal. Could you turn on the Knicks game? I said, no. And I turned the channel to TBS. Little Nicky was on. It was edited for television. The Sandman said, Popeye's chicken is the shiznit. And the movie itself was a piece of shit. But I didn't care. I just closed my eyes and waited for the Sandman to bring me a dream.